Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, licensed and registered dietitian, and this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and counseling. I just want to jump right into today's topic, nutrition solutions for IBS, because it is a big topic. And to help me discuss this big topic, I have both Cassie Weenus, registered and licensed dietitian, and Marcy Vask, licensed nutritionist. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. And Cassie, do you need to say hello to some special people? Oh, I was going to leave it off this morning, but I can say hello to my two biggest fans <laughs> listening back home. Hello, Riley, my nine-year-old, nine and a half. Oh, get it right. That's As of right. yesterday, I was told, and Marissa, my seven and a half year old. But I told them last night, mom might not be able to say hi because Marcy has two seven-year-olds too, and it would be kind of greedy of me. So, Oh, so I should say hi you to should my, say hi. my seven-year-old twins, Rowan and Ava. Good morning. There, there we go. <laughs> so back to our topic. IBS is a complex topic, and there's no way for us to cover every single thing about it in one show. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> But as nutritionists, we know there are several simple steps that people can take on their own to start improving their digestion. And IBS stands for Irritable Bowel Syndrome. And anytime the word syndrome is used in a diagnosis, it basically means that doctors just don't know the cause. They, they, you've got the symptoms, but no idea what's causing it. That's right. And it's not a disease or an infection. It's just, like I said, a cluster of symptoms. Right. And for people with IBS, this cluster of symptoms can include stomach pain, bloating, gas, and most often diarrhea or constipation. Now, that being said, there are some people who go back and forth between being both constipated and having diarrhea. Miserable. Right. Exactly. So really, to put it mildly, people with irritable bowel syndrome do not have a normal bowel movement. No. And we hope our listeners aren't squeamish today because we are going to be talking a lot about poo. That's right. And that's the truth. Hopefully we're not ruining anyone's breakfast. (laughs) We'll try our best. (laughs) Or their lunch or dinner if they're in like Australia or something. That's right. right. Yes. We do have worldwide listeners. You know, back when I was seeing clients, whenever I had a new client with IBS, the question that always popped into my head was what could be causing their symptoms? And I bet you ladies would say the same thing. We wouldn't ever treat the diarrhea with Imodium, and our longtime listeners certainly know we're never going to say take Miralax to help you stay regular, but where our mind goes at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is what is at the core of this problem. So with IBS, we have to figure out what is causing the intestinal tract to not work right. And we know there are several big triggers for IBS, and these include food sensitivities, especially gluten, And there could also be some neurotransmitter imbalance, an overgrowth of bacteria or yeast in the gut, or maybe it's a a diet high in bad fats or a diet even low in fiber, some parasite infections, and maybe even heavy metal toxicity. But of those seven things that you just mentioned, I'd say that as nutritionists, we're best equipped to handle four or five of them. So things like food sensitivities, an overgrowth of bacteria, imbalanced neurotransmitters, a.k.a. our brain chemicals, low-fiber diets, and certainly eating too many bad fats. Right, and probably the easiest one of those to tackle is the bad fats. So let's talk a little bit about that first. As registered dietitians and licensed nutritionists, we're frequently talking here on this radio program 
about what are these bad fats because we want to help you know where they're lurking so you can avoid them. If you've taken any of our classes, we have slides that list off the bad fats. Certainly if we're sitting down with a client in a one-on-one consult, we're talking about here are the bad fats, let's try to avoid those. And whether you call them bad fats or man-made fats, they're really all referring to the same group of processed oils and man-made fats that our bodies were never meant to be able to process. That's Mm -hmm. right. So, you know, there's more and more people now understand that hydrogenated and partially hydrogenated oils are not good for us because they increase that inflammation and and it increases it even in our um, intestinal tract. And studies have shown that consuming trans fats can lead to nausea, vomiting, loose stools, and abdominal pain. And as we're talking about this, so Ryan and I were at Menards last night and looking at stuff. And if you haven't noticed, Menards is kind of like a grocery store. Right. When did that happen? (laughs) I don't know. But I was standing there. He's looking at drills and whatnot. And I was looking at some packaged foods that have a little girl on them. And I could not believe how many times hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated soybean, canola, mm-hmm. cottonseed oil was listed on like one, just one food product. And have just hearing you say that when I was driving into the radio station today and listening to, what is it? The Splendid Table? Yes. I know you listen to. <laughs> anyway, they had a guest on and she was mentioning, as we know, that cottonseed oil is so highly sprayed with chemical. I mean, cotton is. Yes. So you're getting that right. in the oil. So not only is it a a trans fat, and we know that's bad, but it's so laden with chemicals. Yes. Well, having lived in Georgia, I mean, I would see the cotton fields, and I mean, they always they were always spraying, spraying them, oh. and I always tell clients, I'm like, you want to wear your cotton? Don't eat it. Don't eat it. <laughs> yeah. Good advice. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and probably... Menards is a great store, but probably not the place to buy your food. That's not, no. It's not quality no. No. food. No, not that. Unless not it's some water products. or some LaCroix. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, so if you find that your IBS symptoms only arise when you eat out at restaurants or maybe when you eat certain brands of processed foods, <laughs> like, like the ones we were just talking about, Menards. yes, <laughs> you could be the, that it could be the oils that the company mm-hmm. cooks with that's causing the problem. So we want to make sure to avoid not only hydrogenated oils, but also that soybean, corn, canola, cottonseed, and vegetable oil. Right. So reading the package ingredients is helpful Mm -hmm. because now you know which ones to avoid, the hydrogenated, the soybean, the corn, the canola, the cottonseed. But then also let's think about when you're in your own kitchen. And that's probably the easiest place to avoid those bad fats, because that's where you're in control. So if you still have Crisco or you still have margarine in your kitchen, time to do away with it. You can replace it with real butter or unrefined coconut oil. If you have recipes that call for canola oil, you can use olive oil or avocado oil. Yeah, that is another choice. Becoming- that probably has a higher... It has a pretty high smoke point yep. if you were cooking with higher mm-hmm. heats versus and, the olive oil would have a low smoke point. Yeah, and it doesn't have a lot of flavor to it, so it's a very neutral. So if mm-hmm. people want to make some baked goods or something and they need a very neutral flavored oil, the avocado oil is, a, nice a, good one. is a good one. Mm-hmm. And if you still have flavored coffee creamer in your house, oh dear, switch over to real. Come on, people. Real no. cream. <laughs> Please, just do that today. It's time. My mom and I, I have to tell you, we were visiting some relatives over a Memorial Day weekend, and we went to church with them on Sunday morning, and, and they were visiting with their friends afterwards. So I said, Mom, let's just go over. They were serving coffee. Let's sure. get a cup of coffee so we're not like 
stalking our our relatives while they visit. (laughs) And so we walk over and of course there's the coffee creamer. I'm like, did you ever notice churches and hospitals? That's all, all they have. That's all they have. Yeah. They're supposed to be saving our lives mm-hmm. and then feeding us this crap yes. that's killing us. So Full I just took my coffee fats. black. You know? right. So if you're in a situation like that, just take your coffee black. But at home, buy some real cream and mm. add a little to your coffee. It's a it's a treat. It is. And I think the second easiest IBS trigger to talk about is fiber. Mm-hmm. And most people with IBS need more fiber. Well, actually, most people in general right. in this country, yes. in our country, need more fiber in their diet because a lack of fiber can result in both diarrhea and constipation. But I recommend that people get their fiber from real foods such as fruits and veggies, not cereal, breakfast bars, or the quote unquote whole grain products. Correct. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, when it comes to gut health, fiber is really important because it helps bulk up stools, making it easier for our intestinal tract to move it through. And there are two different types of fiber. One is soluble and one is insoluble fiber. So help to help the listeners understand those two different types a little bit more, the soluble fiber, if we were going to define that, that's the fiber that absorbs water. The insoluble fiber really doesn't. So in our digestive tract, this means that if we eat more soluble fiber, it's going to help absorb water in our large intestine, and that helps make hard stools a little softer, or it can make the really soft stools or the diarrhea more solid by soaking up excess fluids. Now, if we compare that to the insoluble fiber, the insoluble fiber tends to just add bulk and works best as sort of a natural laxative. Yes. Right. And foods that are high in soluble fiber include oats, pears, you know, berries, peas, carrots, and even the inside of a sweet potato. I always kind of think of, you know, if you've got a child who has diarrhea, you know, you want to get them some more soluble fiber in there. Mm -hmm. So having things like bananas and pears Mm -hmm. and maybe a little applesauce or something. Yes. Yes. The inside of that apple has the soluble fiber. So kind of helps get those stools a little bit more normal. And foods that are high in insoluble fiber, so the opposite of that to help with constipation include harder things like nuts and seeds, the whole grains such as wild rice and quinoa, broccoli, salad greens, celery, cabbage, green beans, and then, of course, any of those fruits and vegetables when we eat the skin. So eating the skin of the apple or the skin of a cucumber, the skin of a sweet potato. You know, I never knew you should or could eat the skin of a sweet potato until one of you ladies said it one time that you eat it? Probably me. And <laughs> I've never I had it. it. I love it. It's... And the kids, I peel the skin off the kids' and then I eat that too. Can I eat that <laughs> they don't too? like the skin. Good, good, good source stuff for mom. Of, 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 right? insoluble, of fiber. insoluble fiber. Yeah. You know, now, Brenna, you mentioned one of the categories of foods that's high in insoluble fiber are the nuts, like mm-hmm. almonds. Yes, Um, pecans, any of those. I just have to mention that last summer I was struggling with a little bit of irritable bowel and it took me a little while to figure myself out. But one of the things I figured out is that nuts really irritate me. They tend to Mm -hmm. stop me up. Mm -hmm. And I had eaten nuts every day of my life for decades, you know, thinking it's such a healthy thing, never bothered me. And then just one day, bam, it hit. Wow. Um, so just it, there might be some people out there that are sensitive to nuts as well. Something to keep in mind. We're already up to our first break. So we're going to come back, talk more about fiber. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And as always, I like to give you a few points to ponder as we go to break. 
Last month, you may have heard Brenna and Joanne on the radio, and they had a listener call in and ask about the daughter's chronic hives. Now, at that time, you and Joanne recommended that the daughter try a gluten and dairy-free diet to sort of calm down her immune system. You're going to want to stay with us because when we come back from break, Brenna is going to share a success story of a nutritional weight and wellness client who used to suffer from these same symptoms, but she started meeting with Dar. After she met with Dar a couple of times, and Dar, if you don't know, is our boss. She's a licensed nutritionist, also the founder of Nutritional Weight and Wellness. After this client met with Dar a couple of times, she no longer gets hives. Not only that, this person had chronic migraines. Yes. Doesn't get the migraines anymore. And if you have questions for us today about irritable bowel syndrome, you can call us here at the studio at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian. I want to share an amazing success story with all of our listeners. Some of you may have heard Tina Beeler on our show in the past talking about how she has put her MS, her multiple sclerosis, in remission by following her own personal eating plan. But what I didn't know was that her daughter Mackenzie also follows her own personal eating plan, created by Dar over 10 years ago. Dina told me after being on the show with Joanne a couple weeks ago um, when we had a caller questioning um, her daughter was getting hives a lot. Tina emailed me and said that when their daughter, Mackenzie, was five years old, she started having spontaneous hives that had caused her throat to close and she would need to go to the ER. Scary. Really scary. scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So soon she had to carry an EpiPen with her everywhere and she had lots and lots of allergy testing done, which all came up negative. So her pediatrician put her on daily Allegra and then her EpiPen. But despite that, she continued having these hives and frequent emergency room visits. And it came to the point where she would have to self-administer her EpiPen every few months. So when they saw Dar, Mackenzie was 15 years old. So they had been dealing with this for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And Dar created a gluten and dairy-free meal plan for Mackenzie to follow. And about a year after that, the school nurse wanted a fresh EpiPen to keep on hand. And Tina realized that Mackenzie had not had an episode of hives or throat closure since they went gluten and dairy free. That's remarkable. Wonderful. Isn't it? Yeah. So this, uh, what is it? Next month, Mackenzie is turning 24 years old. Wow. So 24 years young. Happy birthday, Mackenzie. (laughs) Early. She has never had hives or throat closing since she first saw Dar over 10 years ago. Not only that, she no longer gets migraines either, which had started when she was just eight years old. So if you want success like Tina and Mackenzie, call the Nutritional Weight and Wellness Office and schedule an appointment with one of our nutritionists. The phone number is 651-699-3438. And even if you live outside the Minnesota Twin Cities locations, we can still talk with you over the phone or even through Skype. Yes, we do have a lot of out-of-town, out-of-state, out-of-country clients. That's, That's right. Clients. I just so had a client yesterday a really... from Florida. Yes. Oh, yeah. fun. Fun. It's a it's really a growing segment of our business. You know, I have a somewhat similar story about my nine-year-old son, Riley. Some of our regular listeners probably remember that at the age of four, he was diagnosed with celiac disease and a dairy allergy. And so, of course, we removed the gluten because that's what you do for celiac disease. We got the dairy out of the picture. And in a matter of a couple days, his chronic acid reflux was gone when we did that. And he was able to come off of his adult dose of Prevacid at that time when he was four. 
And we thought we were in the clear. Okay, right. we got the dairy out. We got the You're gluten good out. To go. We're like, good. Fantastic. We're good, right? About a year later, almost exactly a year later, he started having these really scary episodes where he couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. I remember one time driving to daycare, and I'm in traffic, and he's in the back seat, strapped in his car seat, and all of a sudden he can't catch his breath. And how oh, fearful that was for me because I couldn't even reach him. One time we were walking to the park. We had only gotten a block, and we were just walking. We weren't exerting a lot of energy, and all of a sudden he couldn't catch his breath. And some of you listening are probably thinking, why didn't you run to the doctor with him? I just really had a strong, intuitive, motherly instinct, we can call it, that this was food-related and the doctors weren't going to be able to help me here. Yeah. And so after a little bit of thought on it, I scheduled an appointment with Allergy Associates in La Crosse, Wisconsin. If I had to describe them in a nutshell, they do a little more alternative work. They Mm -hmm. dig a little deeper and their philosophy is really, let's find out what's at the core of these allergy symptoms. We're not going to just tell you to take Allegra or something. Now, had it been an adult client, I would have had them keep a food journal and we would have figured this out. Mm -hmm. But it's a five-year-old child. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be crazy, mom. You don't want to get that that crazy. (laughs) Take this food out one week and Mm -hmm. no, let's put that food back in and let's take this food out this week. So I just, I needed some solid answers and we went to Allergy Associates. We found out he's also allergic to corn, Tree nuts, peanuts, soy, and egg. Mm-hmm. Took those out and overnight, had no those breathing episodes. symptoms went away. But until I heard you talk about Mackenzie, I had forgotten within that following year then of removing those five additional offenders, we were at the pediatrician's office, I suppose for an annual checkup. And for some reason, this came up in conversation that he had been having breathing problems, but I, I got it figured out. I took him to an allergist. Well, the doctor, I don't think he heard that I said I got it figured out. I think he just heard these trouble breathing episodes and prescribed an EpiPen. Oh, Oh, jeez. You know, and so... I, sometimes I just know to smile. And you yeah, just smile and nod and say thank yep. you. Yeah, yeah thank <laughs> you. But honestly, I mean, as a parent, I was really, I kept that EpiPen. I probably still have it in a drawer somewhere, that EpiPen prescription, because, you know, you're just the one in case. charge. This is life and death. Yeah. And now the doctor told me I need an EpiPen. I I had a few sleepless nights over that. Should I fill it? Should I not? Yeah. Should right. I be taking this to school? Should I not? But, you know, getting those five food offending foods out and healing his gut for him. And we're going to talk about it down the road here in the show, bifido bacteria, Mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about. And then glutamine, which also heals the gut. Those were huge pieces of the puzzle Mm -hmm. for getting rid of a lot of his outward symptoms symptoms as well. It's amazing when our gut is healthy. We are healthy. We are healthy. healthy. That's what I always say to my clients. Yes. (laughs) It all starts in the gut. And we have a, do we have a caller that we want to just go ahead and take? Yes. Let's take line one. Linda, you had a question about oils. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Linda, are you on the line? I am. Hi. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Did you have a question for us? Well, I did. You were talking about different oils earlier, um, and I was wondering, we switched about 15 years ago to an Expeller Press safflower oil, and I'm wondering if organic oils have the same cautions as just the general stuff you find at the store, and if safflower oil, if you would consider that a friendly oil or something maybe to switch from. All right. (laughs) Boy, that's a a good question. Yeah, so safflower oil is a highly polyunsaturated oil so okay. it's okay for cold things Product. like making mayonnaise mm-hmm. um you know we okay. often talk okay. about the or dressings or dressings 
Um, or if you've already cooked your vegetables and you wanted to put it on there, you you could do that. Um, okay. It is not okay for high heat or heat. heat. It's heat. not it would okay break for down heat. and then you turn it into, into a, a bad fat. fat. Yeah. Even though it started oh. out okay. You know, anything that goes in my skillet or on the roasting pan is usually a solid fat. So, like a coconut like oil, a coconut oil, or palm or oil, or butter, ghee or butter. Yeah. And then her question about organic, um, organic oils versus non-organic. So I'm just trying to go through. You know, we would use. Well, I use unrefined organic coconut oil. I don't know. But if all you can get is yeah, coconut has such a hard skin. I don't know that I don't that really makes about a it. difference. No. Um, okay. Olive oil. I don't know. I don't always buy. I don't think I have organic olive oil in my cupboard right now. I certainly have extra virgin. Right. I don't know if olives are heavily sprayed, heavily sprayed or not. Well, they're not on the dirty dozen. They're not on the dirty <laughs> dozen. So I guess that's not where we would first spend our organic dollars no. in the area of oils. But certainly, um, you know, extra virgin if you're buying olive oil, expeller pressed if you're buying the safflower oil. Those are things to keep an eye out for. Unrefined if you're buying coconut oil. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Does that answer your questions? It does. Thank you very much. I appreciate the information. Yes. You're very welcome. Thank Thanks you for, for listening. Um, Have a great day. Thank you. Should we address that question? We had a caller. Um, Wanting to know about Buy 5. Buy 5, which it's, you said is a drink. It's this new drink that's kind of come out in the last couple months, and it's like a coconut water infused with a little bit of like fruit juice or something, and then sweetened with stevia. I don't know if it's got caffeine in it or not. I've had a couple clients wanting to drink it. Um, I think it's okay. Small amounts. I think the total carb content for the whole bottle is maybe 16 grams. Mm -hmm. Okay, good to know that because I think the other part of this caller's question Mm -hmm. was, what about with diabetes? How would that... You, you know, that's where I think someone would want to drink the whole bottle. No, but if they wanted to kind of split it, mm-hmm. I think that would be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Cassie, like you said, it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I th- as we were talking so about it over break, I really think I'd have to see the bottle to be sure, but I think I've bought it before and it was very tasty if it's the, the bottle I'm remembering. But it's one of those things where, wow, that was spendy. I won't do that very, very often, often, but there was nothing bad in it and it wasn't high. If something's high carb, I don't buy it because then my blood sugar just goes yeah. crazy and I don't yeah. feel good. But yeah, if you had diabetes, you'd probably want to split it up, make two servings out of it and probably or three or three mm-hmm. and have some healthy fat when you do sip on mm-hmm. it so that you're not having just the, the It'd sugar It'd be a nice summertime it. treat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be refreshing right. in, a, in a pretty glass? Um, wow. We are going to take callers when we come back from our next break, but look at the clock. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and not all supplements are created equal. At Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we believe in taking only the highest quality nutritional supplements that are pharmaceutical grade, GMP certified, and third-party tested. This summer, we are offering customers a great deal, and it's on the first Wednesday of July and of August. So shop in our store or online and receive 10% off your entire purchase of these high-quality supplements. Also our protein bars, protein powder, organic teas, and even the Nutritional Weight Wellness Cookbook. So it's a great. It's got a delicious jerk chicken marinade that is perfect for summer grill outs. That's a great cookbook. That's my it favorite. Is. Cookbook. It is so Mine nice. Is, it's so it's easy. Really worn. It's easy. easy. Yeah, it's and all ingredients, you know. And the kids like the re- you know it's family friendly. My kids like the recipes in there too. That's right. 
So if anybody has questions for us, call the studio at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cassie Wienis, registered and licensed dietitian. We want to let you know before we get back into topic that Nutritional Weight and Wellness is starting the Summer Nutrition for Weight Loss series the week of June 15th. Wow, that's coming fast. It is. Yeah, and it's going to start in all of our offices, so lots of different locations for you to choose from. It really is an amazing 12-week series that will help you keep your commitment to avoiding too many pontoon boat cocktails or maybe you have a commitment to avoiding the backyard barbecue potato chips this summer. The Nutrition for Weight Loss series could help keep you on track. And also I want to mention, because it kind of goes along with today's topic, that we're offering the Going Gluten-Free the Healthy Way class on June 11th at 6.30 p.m. in our Maple Grove office. Again, that's the Going Gluten-Free the Healthy Way class, June 11th in the Maple Grove office. So really, if you're struggling with irregular bowel movements or you're having a lot of bloating, gas, abdominal pain, I really encourage you to check out this class because it can only help. And I believe this class is still up online for yeah, any out is. of it is. any out of state listeners or out of town listeners. You can take the Going Gluten Free the Healthy Way class online on your own time. If you want to learn more about the weight loss series or the gluten free class, you can call our office at six five one. The ladies are already working this morning. Or you can go online and find out more and sign up online as well at weightandwellness.com. So I know we've got some callers, but we wanted to jump back into today's topic just a little bit first. Stay on the line because we do plan to get to you. So Cassie, before I think our first break, we were talking about nuts and how you found that nuts were too much fiber. Yeah. Just don't work for me. Um... Yeah, and peanut butter, one of my favorite foods. I had to give that up. And but just you feel wanted, better. It is so worth it. I never yes. thought I could give up peanut butter. But when you feel, feel better, good, oh, my Lord, so yes. worth it. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, I'm not saying that's the solution for everybody. But also want to mention that if your irritable bowel syndrome is mostly the diarrhea kind, you're not constipated a lot, but you're having a lot of diarrhea, try increasing your intake of soluble fiber. Soluble fiber we mentioned were like the berries, um, the inside of an apple, inside the, of inside a pear. sweet potato, the yeah. pears. And I have a delicious, we have a delicious and easy way that you can get more soluble fiber. If you go to our website, weightandwellness.com and click on recipes, there's a smoothie recipe on our website and it has some berries in it. It also has a couple tablespoons of old fashioned rolled oats, which is another source of soluble fiber. So again, just a quick, delicious way to up that intake of the fiber that can help to heal that diarrhea or remedy that diarrhea. Well, and the recipe online doesn't actually have the oats in it, but right. it's like you can easily throw them you into this smoothie. Yeah. Yeah. If and you're sure. needing more soluble fiber. They don't necessarily turn into a liquid, but they give you a little something to chew on. While they, they definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like different textures. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yes, mm-hmm. I definitely do. You know, and maybe at dinner, serve up some steamed carrots or a baked sweet potato just to continue increasing that soluble fiber and relieving that diarrhea. Right. Now, you might be wondering how much fiber should I really eat? Well, it's recommended that we consume a minimum of 30 grams of fiber per day. But most Americans are only eating 10 to 15 grams per day. And compare that to some traditional societies who consume between 50 and 100 grams of fiber per day. 
Yes. As, as a nation, we do need to eat more fiber. And it's not just that it can help with irritable bowel syndrome. I think a lot of our listeners know that fiber helps us feel full longer. Yeah. Right. So if you're trying to lose weight for summer season, those, those swimming suits and all, that fiber can help you feel full and satisfied. You satisfied. You won't yes. have to fight against those hunger pains as much. And we also need enough fiber to keep our blood sugar balanced. Mm-hmm. And did you know one in three Americans, you girls know this, one in three Americans in our country has either diabetes or prediabetes. So certainly wow, that, that's too bad. Sad. That is but sad. Th- that just says there are we a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that need help balancing their blood sugar. So increasing your fiber can be one piece of that puzzle. You know, and if someone eats the standard American diet, high in those processed foods such as cereal, the Pop-Tarts, the burgers, French fries, pizza, chicken nuggets, I'm getting and maybe a macaroni. I know, yeah, right? I know. I'm like, who's like, do this? I'd vomit. Yeah. There is no way they will ever come close to meeting, you know, that minimum 30 grams of fiber. So it's really no wonder that 10 to 20% of the population struggles with, you know, your IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. I'm surprised it's that low, actually. I would think well, it would be more. I don't think everybody but is reporting understands I, yeah, what, yeah. It, yeah. what it means. They just yes. have a stomach ache every day and, mm-hmm. and don't feel great. Right. Now, back on May 15th, we actually posted a delicious mojito shrimp salad recipe on the Nutritional Weight and Wellness Facebook page. And can you believe that this simple salad with spinach, bell peppers, and jicama actually contains 15 grams of fiber? Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. All that right in one salad. That's about a half Half day's worth. Yeah, right in one meal. And, you know, salads are great for people struggling with a lot of constipation because they're high in that insoluble fiber. Um, And we mentioned insoluble fiber sort of acts as a natural laxative. Sometimes this is called a fermentable fiber as well. And we're going to explain that more down the road a bit. But just so you understand, that's sort of the same term. Should we take a couple? I think we yeah, should. Let's take a call. Let's do it. We have, let's see, who's been waiting the longest? The longest. <laughs> I'm not sure. Should we go to line one? There's a gluten question on line one. Is it Linny? Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Hi. Good morning. Thank you. Yes, it's nice to hear you talk about IBS. I have that in my husband's family, and I think my daughter is susceptible as well um, because I noticed some gluten bloating possibly after she's eaten it. Yes. And she also has eczema and itchy mm-hmm. ears, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's all connected to maybe the possibility toward IBS or gluten, and I'm wondering what you think. Does she do much in the way of milk or cheese or yogurt? Does she do much dairy? Um, not too much. She's never been a fan of milk, and I've often wondered mm-hmm. if she has a casein or mm-hmm. um, lactose intolerance, so we've only been purchasing almond milk or um, lactate-free milk, and she really doesn't drink regular milk at all, the almond milk she likes. Um, And yogurt she does like. I usually make homemade organic, Mm -hmm. and she does like that if we have it. Okay. It definitely sounds like she could have a gluten sensitivity. The itchy ears also makes me think that she's got, like, some bad bacteria or some Mm -hmm. candida hanging out in her gut. Um, I usually see that with clients is when they have a lot of GI symptoms. They get those itchy ears and Mm -hmm. some yeast overgrowth. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If it was me, easy to say I'm an adult, I would go gluten and dairy free because gluten is a big one. But dairy, 
What is it? 70% is 70% of the world population has a dairy allergy. Most of them don't know it, but it is the most common and eczema. Yeah. kind of makes me think dairy. Um, So it's, it's probably both. I know with my son, I don't know if this will be helpful to you or not, but when we were trying to figure him out before we got the final diagnosis for a couple of weeks, I took out gluten that didn't help with his acid reflux, must not be gluten. So I put the gluten back in. I took out dairy for a couple of weeks. That didn't help with his mm-hmm. acid reflux. Now what is it? Well, when we took them both mm-hmm. out at once, that, that was, was the key. key. In, a, yes. in a day or two, he was free of all of his symptoms. So maybe you want to go the long route, choose one for a few weeks, then the other for a few weeks, but then maybe you find you need to take them both out. But it sure sounds like it's one or the other or both. Okay. Along that line, we did take her to an allergist, and he said her... Her sensitivities were not strong enough to cause these large reactions because she was quite sick last week with some sort of last year, excuse me, with an allergic reaction. The problem is if you've got a sensitivity, it can build up over time and it might just be a mild sensitivity. But if you continually eat it every day, you're inflaming your body and you're going to keep those symptoms around. And what I've learned, too, from a lot of different doctors and a lot of different tests with my son not all allergists, many allergists aren't doing the in-depth testing like we got out at Allergy Associates. So I think some, I think there's more blood tests that they could do, but they choose not to for whatever reason. So you might not be getting the whole story from that blood work. Okay. Is there one that I should ask for? Oh, I'd have to go uh, back and look you at know, my You know, I would highly recommend, um, you know, maybe making an appointment with one of the nutritionists because um, I mm-hmm. think that we could really help you through this process. Because the of meal plan out. is the hardest part, yeah. even once you once you get the numbers. Yep. Good point. Okay. So, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thank listening. You. And I think we have to go to break. Already. Am I right? Yes. yes. Well, thank you for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you are struggling with irritable bowel syndrome, maybe you're always looking for the nearest bathroom, or having to constantly take a laxative just to stay a little regular, let me suggest taking our online class, Gut Reaction. You can watch this wonderful 45-minute class in the comfort of your own home or your own bathroom. So simply go to the website weightandwellness.com and click on the services tab to see the online class link. And we'll be right back. Don't you tell them what we do. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Marcy Vasky, licensed nutritionist. And I want to share a simple snack that's great for kids. In fact, my own kids even like it. So a little bit of cottage cheese with some apple slices and some almond butter. Simple, easy, and balanced. Protein, carb, healthy fat. Wonderful. Number three. That's right. Great. Now, kind of getting back into our topic of IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, longtime listeners of Dishing Up Nutrition will know that as nutritionists, we think that having adequate amounts of good bacteria in our gut is super important. Mm -hmm. Now, I also believe that many people have learned this through TV commercials for yogurt and probiotic supplements. Of course, now even the news is getting on board and into the action of reporting stories about research being done on what is known as the human microbiome, which is just a fancy term for the bacteria on your body. The bugs. The bugs. Yes. Yeah. So this is the third place someone with IBS might focus on when dealing with either constipation or diarrhea. You know, as humans, we should have lots and lots of bacteria in our digestive tract. How much do you want to know? Well, there are, I do. Yeah, I do. Come on, raise your hand, everybody. <laughs> there are between 10 and 100 million live bacteria in one gram stool sample. 
taken from the small intestine. Can you say ew? That's a lot. <laughs> I think it's cool. Yeah. So a gram is about the size of a quarter teaspoon. You know, now compare that 10 to 100 million to the billions of bacteria that live in the same quarter teaspoon amount in our colon. Or your large intestine. Hmm. Correct. Yeah. You ladies are going to give me bad dreams. (laughs) (laughs) All the bugs. Bugs crawling around all over. And we know these bacteria are hungry, and one of their favorite foods is fiber. Now, before I called the insoluble fiber fermentable fiber, that's because as the bacteria feeds on this fiber, there's a fermentation process and some gases are given off. And we need to have just the right amount and the right kinds of bacteria in our gut to be healthy. Not too much, not too little. Unfortunately, there are many things that can lead to an imbalance in our microbiome. And as we have discussed, eating a high fiber diet is important because it helps feeds our good bacteria. Now, we don't want to like overfeed them because we could get too much of a good thing is not good either. Too much is not a good thing. And then we might feel a little gassy. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So maybe a low-fiber diet might lead to some IBS symptoms, but being on antibiotics or acid blockers and many other medications can also disrupt the balance that we have in our gut. Bacteria, you know, leading to something known as small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, or SIBO for short, which I know all too well. (laughs) There's reasons why we get asked to be on these shows. I know, that's what I think. It's it's fate. (laughs) It is. Yeah. So, you know, if we think about how do we first get our own unique population of bacteria in our intestines, it really happens when we are born. That's when we first get our first hit of good bacteria. That is if you were born vaginally. So when you come through the birth canal, you get that first hit of good bacteria. The C-section babies don't get that. Then if you're breastfed, you get even more good bacteria, bacteria, excuse me, from your mother's breast milk. So let's say you have those two good things going for you. You were born naturally, you were breastfed, but then if you were a kid or a baby that had a lot of ear infections and so you were on a lot of antibiotics, or maybe you were that kid that always got strep throat, so again, a lot of antibiotics, or whatever the infection might have been, just remember, those antibiotics don't discriminate. Yes, they kill the bad bugs, that's the good thing about them, but they will also kill off the good bugs or the good bacteria in your gut as well. So that means down the road, as an older child and as an adult, you're probably going to be more susceptible to reoccurring infections and probably going to have poor digestion. And boy, I could tell you the longest history on earth of my antibiotic use as a child into teenage years, and no wonder why I don't think I'll ever fully heal my intestinal tract it's just a journey i will always be on yes and many people know that when they go on antibiotics they either get constipated or they get Mm -hmm. diarrhea yes many women also find that they develop vaginal yeast infections after being on antibiotics now some doctors are recommending that their patients take probiotics which we are in full support of during and after these rounds of antibiotics to help relieve digestive symptoms and help repopulate the digestive tract with good bacteria. You know, and as smart nutritionists, we know that one of the most important bacteria to have in our gut is bifidobacteria. This is the dominant bacteria in our colon and or large intestine. If there is an imbalance in the good and bad bacteria, allowing more bad bacteria to take over, or even if certain strains of good bacteria are able to overpopulate, we might experience that gas, bloating, and diarrhea. And on that note, we have a caller um, that has a question about 
gas. Let's just say it. Gas. Gas, right? Not you know, fuel for your car. We're talking, we're talking about gas. the flatulence. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So I think. <laughs> I think so, too. Let's go to line two. We have Tracy on the line. You had a question related to the topic today. Yes, I did. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Well, thank, thank you, you for calling. calling. Good. Um, maybe you said this at the beginning of the show, and I probably missed it, but I wanted to know um, what are some ways to treat um, gas when you have IBS, no matter what it is that I eat, especially vegetables seem to increase my gas. And then I also, you guys mentioned um, fiber and constipation um, symptoms for IBS, and I wanted to know what are some other things that you can do if you have um, constipated-related IBS. All right. So, so many things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and what was her name? Tracy. Tracy. So, Tracy, I would definitely go back and listen to the beginning of today's show a little bit when we were talking more about fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. There are definitely some vegetables that are going to cause more gas than others. Yes. That's and right. my my thought, too, tell me what you think of this, Brenna, but I'm I'm thinking you probably have yeast overgrowth, and as yeast feeds... It gives off a lot of gas, so I'm wondering if just really getting on a regular regimen of bifidobacteria um, that we're talking about here on the show would definitely help. That probiotic, because that can help crowd out the yeast overgrowth and get it out of there, because I think that probably is a piece of the puzzle. Do you take any type of a probiotic currently? I do take your bifidol. I've been taking it for two years, so I don't know. Do I need to increase the dosage than what's on the bottle? How much are you doing and how many times a day? I do um, half a teaspoon three times a day before each meal. Oh, that's good. That's, that's good. good. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking if you're eating a lot of the kind of like high, high fiber veggies, you're gonna, the fermentable that's ones, right. um, like broccoli, cauliflower, cauliflower cabbage, cabbage yeah. um, Brussels sprouts, which honestly are all the ones that keep me regular and keep IBS away. So if you're dealing with constipation, those are good vegetables to eat, but they do cause, but some they gas can cause some gas. And for some people, it's really problematic. You may try. We have a digestive enzyme. Um, so the one that I often recommend is just it's an essential enzyme and it helps break down those fibers for you. Is it called? Okay. If she looks on our website, it's called. It's called essential, essential enzymes. enzymes. And I find okay. would that I, would I need more than the one that's recommended? Or I take two. Yeah, before okay. each before meal. so take meals. it with your bifido. Yeah. Before each meal. Before each meal. Okay. All right. So I hope that helps That's out. a good one. I take that one, too. I forgot. About, or I take a enzyme that's really mm-hmm. helpful, too. I forgot about that. Does that help Great. answer that, your questions? That that does help because it, it's hard trying to get the fiber in when you're needing to eat the Feeling vegetables, bad. but the vegetables are causing distress. So. Yep. Yes. yep. Yep. You probably need some help breaking it down, and that enzyme can do that. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Yes. You're very you. welcome. So she had good questions about the bifido, and she's yeah. taken exactly what we recommend. That's right. Right. Um, we, well, I don't know. Do you guys start people off on a half of a teaspoon before each meal, or do you sometimes start with a quarter teaspoon of that bifido powder? Depends upon the client. Right. Mm-hmm. And how, how they're and doing. How, how torn up their poor gut is. That's right. A lot of times, I know back when I was seeing client clients, I would start low and work up, because if you're very sensitive, just throwing a bunch of good bacteria at you can be just not can, very fun. No. So, yeah, sometimes to start with that quarter teaspoon before each meal and then work up to a half of a teaspoon. And we also have that in pill form. Yes, yeah, and capsules. that's easier. Which, capsules. And if people, you know, sometimes they just like to take a capsule better or if they're traveling. That's when I do the capsules when I'm traveling. Yes. Oh, yep. there's the music, ladies. It's all over. It is. Thank you for joining us this 
weekend and talking about poo. Yeah. Right? Thanks, everybody. Hope it was helpful. Have a great weekend. Life, I love you. All is groovy. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.